Let's bow our heads. Lord Jesus, we ask you to come and be here with us this morning. I cannot speak by myself, but I know that you have a message for every heart here. I pray, Lord, that you will speak it through me, and that each one will hear. Drive away the forces of the darkness, that they may not be able to distract us. Put a wall of angels around this place to keep away the devil and all of the enemy, that we may be blessed, that we may be encouraged in whatever we're facing in life. Thank you, Lord. We love you. Amen. Good morning. The Valley of Acor is our message today. Um, and as Arden was asking me, wasn't that the place that Achan was killed? What a great final devotional, right? <laughs> Doesn't sound very cheery. But I hope as uh, you hear this message, you'll see what applies to your heart, and you, are, you will come away blessed. Not long ago, I, I got a tearful phone call. Now, I, I get a lot of those in my work. <laughs> Some, some people are crying because of their own sins. Some people are crying because of other people's mistakes. This girl was a young lady that I admired deeply. I had seen the Lord working so mightily in her life. She was a homeschooled, beautiful, virtuous young woman. And just a couple of months before that, I had listened to her share her testimony in, uh, at Southern for the, the student week of prayer. She had stood up before all of these students and testified that she was saving her first kiss for her husband, that she believed in purity, that God had a plan for her to wait for the right man. I was so proud of her. And now she called and she said, Nicole, I, I was raped two weeks ago. There are things you just, you don't know how to respond. But then she said, I've taken two pregnancy tests this morning and they're both positive. Sometimes there's nothing you can do but cry with somebody and say, the Lord is with you. I don't know the future, but God isn't asking you to figure out the future. He's asking you to surrender in the moment. And whatever you surrender to him, he will turn into something beautiful. And that's what I told her. I don't know what's ahead, but that's not something you have to worry about right now. What you need to worry about is, Lord, Am I giving this situation to you? Because as you give it to him, he will turn it into something beautiful. There was a time in Israel when things looked very dark and hopeless because of the sins of the people, because they were turning away from God. And God spoke to Hosea. And he said, Hosea, I want you to marry a prostitute. Because Israel is causing me so much pain, I want you to join me in this pain. Come and suffer with me. Feel what it feels like to be betrayed over and over. It wasn't fair for Hosea to go through that. It wasn't fair for my friend to go through this. But sometimes God calls us to go through things that weren't fair. You know the story. Hosea went out and married a prostitute, Gomer. And over and over, she disappointed him. She betrayed him. She broke his heart. But over and over, Hosea showed her and showed all of Israel what God's heart is like. That love, that depth of forgiveness that the human heart cannot come up with on its own. Then chapter 2 of the book of Hosea, God describes what he and Hosea are going through. 
And he says about Israel, I'm going to hedge up your way with thorns. I'm going to cause you to suffer. And sure enough, it works. In Hosea 2, verse 7, the woman, the unfaithful woman says, I will go and return to my first husband, for then was it better with me than now. Sometimes that's God's plan in our pain. Sometimes he allows us to go through pain, especially because of our own sins, because he wants to hedge up the way, make it painful to go anywhere else but back to him. And that kind of pain is a tremendous blessing, isn't it? In Hosea chapter 2, <coughs> excuse me, things take a surprising turn after this. Instead of God saying, here I am, come back to me, he says, after this unfaithful woman has said, I'm going to go back to my husband. He says, now I'm going to give you what you deserve. I will take back my grain in its time and my wine in its season, and I will take away my wool and my flax, which were given to cover her nakedness. Now I will uncover her lewdness in the sight of her lovers, and no one shall rescue her out of my hand. And I will put an end to all her mirth. I will lay waste her vines and her fig trees, of which she said, These are my wages which my lovers have given me. I will punish her for the feast days of the Baals, when she burned offerings to them and adorned herself with her ring and jewelry, and went after her lovers and forgot me, declares the Lord. Where is God's mercy? She's come back to him. She said, I want to come back to you. And now he makes it harder. Have you ever gone through that? You surrender something to God, and instead of him suddenly blessing you with peace, you still feel turmoil. You're still agonizing. And things get worse rather than better. Didn't you surrender? Why is he putting you through this? Why is he asking you to suffer so much? This is so unfair. Sometimes, sometimes our trouble is a result of our own sin but sometimes it's a result of someone else's sin. Or sometimes it's just a result of living in a sinful world. But pain and suffering are just a result of sin. It's always sin that causes pain and suffering. But in the midst of all of that, God is able to bring beautiful things. In Hosea 2, at the end of all that passage of pain and promise of Revenge. It sounds like God's being so vengeful, just like a human heart feels when they've been betrayed. We want to get even. Sounds like God is that way. But it's not, because right after that, he says in verses 14 and 15, Therefore, behold, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. And there I will give her her vineyards and make the valley of Achor a door of hope. What is the valley of Achor? What does that mean? The word achor is a word for trouble in Hebrew. It's the valley of trouble. And if you turn to Joshua 7, you'll find the first mention of the valley of achor. Joshua 7, verses 24 through 26. I'm, I don't have time to read the whole thing this morning, but... If you look in Joshua 7, verses 24 through 26, the, the idea is at the beginning, God has, in this whole passage, God has been dealing with Israel. They went out to fight the battle at Ai. They went out without asking God if they should, and rather than everybody going out to the battle, they said, oh man, look at what we did to Jericho. We'll just take a couple thousand of us. We can, we can conquer this city. It's just a little one. They go out there, and... They fail. They are beaten 
36 men are killed. And Israel comes back brokenhearted. And then when Joshua goes to the Lord and falls before him and says, Lord, what's going on? God says, there's sin in the camp. You need to go out there and find out whose sin it is. And they cast lots. Eventually it comes right down to Achan. And once Achan is chosen, then they say, all right, what did you do? Then he confesses. And that's not good enough. His confession is not coming out of a heart that's truly repentant, or he would have confessed before the finger was pointed right at him, wouldn't he? And God has to have Achan and his family stoned. I believe that's because all of his family must have known. If it was buried under the floor of the tent, all of the family knew. Achan and all of his family are taken to the valley of Achor, and there they're stoned to death. And then um, Joshua 7, 24 through 26 concludes with, with wherefore the name of that place was called the Valley of Achor unto this day. So here they are in the Valley of Achor, the Valley of Trouble. What does God mean when he calls the Valley of Achor the door of hope in Hosea? A valley of trouble, a valley of something so terrible, no matter how much we see, well, what Achan did was really wrong. It just seems like an awful place to remember. That's where we killed all these people in this family. The valley of trouble is a place where we suffer. Think of the people, the families of those 36 men. Wouldn't you be suffering? You've lost someone who will never be brought back to you because of Achan's sin. The valley of Achor is a place that sometimes we see that God will bring justice in the midst of trouble. In my friend's life, I could tell her honestly, I don't know what's going to happen. This guy hasn't gotten any consequences, and it doesn't look like he's going to. But God is just. You don't have to resent him. You don't have to hold this in your heart with anger and bitterness and rage. You don't have to let it eat you alive because God is just. The Valley of Achor teaches us that someday God will make this right. It may seem like one person gets away scot-free and another one has to live with the consequences of someone else's sin, but God is just. The Valley of Achor teaches us that if there's someone else's sin that you're suffering for, God is just. He's not going to just leave things unfair. Someday, at the end of time, he will make it fair. This is one thing I love about the Adventist message. We believe that there's a thousand years during which everyone gets to look at the record of what happened and say, God was just. Now I can see the other side of what happened. Now I see the turmoil that person went through. Now I see the consequences that followed them wherever they went. The Valley of Acor teaches us we don't have to hold a grudge. We don't have to try to get even ourselves like the families of those 36 men. We can trust that God will be fair. So if there's something that you're suffering as a result of someone else's sin. You can know God is just. The message of the Valley of Achor is that if you're in trouble because of someone else's sin, God will be fair. And God will bless you as you go through these things. But sometimes the trouble we go through is because of our own sin, right? And sometimes that's the hardest to bear, knowing I deserve this. I deserve it. What's the message of the Valley of Achor for those people? When the devil is saying, come out here in the valley of Achor and be stoned, there is no hope for you. 
What is the message for us? You know, remember, there's a difference between guilt and shame. They feel similar. Guilt is a message from God saying, come back to me. Let me forgive you. Let me wash you white as snow. Let me bring you back into harmony with myself because I have the power to do that. That's the message of guilt. Guilt is a message from God saying, you've done something bad, but I can wash it away. Shame is different. Shame is a message from Satan. Shame says you are bad, and there's nothing that God himself can do to cleanse you. But if you look at the story of Achan, don't you see mercy? God has Moses stand up. I mean, Joshua stand up before all the children of Israel and say, who has sinned? Someone come forward and confess. Repent. Then they cast lots, and it comes down to this tribe. Come forward and repent, please. Over and over and over, God pleads with Achan to repent before it's too late. And if you're feeling condemned, it's not God who wants to make you feel hopeless. God never sends a message of hopelessness. God sends a message of hope. If the message is hopelessness, you know it's coming from the devil. If you have knelt down before God and you have confessed your sin, if you have repented, if, even if you don't feel repentant, if you say, God, Give me the gift of repentance that you've promised in the book of Acts. He will. God gives us repentance. If you're feeling convicted, you know there's something that you need to have washed away, but you feel that God cannot forgive you, look to the Valley of Achor. God gives chance after chance after chance. His, his voice of conviction is pleading with you, and there is hope. You see, the Valley of Achor becomes a door of hope because when you've been through the Valley of Trouble, when you've seen, I am so sinful, now God can confront you about your pride. The person who has never felt terribly sinful doesn't appreciate God's grace. When God allows you to go through the valley of trouble because of your own sin, that valley of Achor is a door of hope because when you come up off your face and God lifts you up, he says, let me wash you white as snow. Now you'll appreciate his grace. Now you'll appreciate his love for you, his forgiveness, his character and you'll pour out your heart in grateful thanksgiving to him in a way that a person who's never sensed their sinfulness may ever come to him. God wants to make that valley of trouble a door of hope for you too. And sometimes we face the valley of trouble just because we live in a sinful world. Maybe you're struggling with some kind of effect of sin, maybe cancer. Maybe there's something going on in your life that's, that's a terrible scourge and you're wondering, why me, God? Why now? The Valley of Achor teaches us sometimes things happen that aren't God's will. He didn't intend for Israel to take this detour through this terrible situation. But no matter what happens in this world, whether God's will is always done or not, God's purpose can be fulfilled in any situation as long as we surrender it to him. And with my friend, I could truthfully tell her, I don't know what's going to happen, but God has something beautiful he's going to bring out of this situation. Out of all this pain will grow something more glorious than you can imagine as you surrender. You see, pain can be a gift from God. Pain is not our enemy. Sin is our enemy, right? Instruments in the Redeemer's Hands, page 71, says the deepest issues of the human struggle are not issues of pain and suffering, but the issue of worship, because what rules our hearts will control the way we respond to both suffering and blessing. Sometimes we think, Lord, 
Why are you letting me go through all this? It's making me so angry. It's making me so resentful. No, pain doesn't cause us to have terrible things in our hearts. It reveals them. Suffering ripens what was already down in there so that we can see it on the tree. And we can go, Lord, take that off of me. Take that out of my heart. Change me into a person who is more driven to holiness than to happiness. Help me to make my goal in life to glorify you, whether I feel great or not, because that's what God wants. That's how Jesus lived. He wasn't living his life continually worrying, am am I going to go through something today? And that's why he could throw away that self-protectiveness that's such a part of our carnal nature. Jesus could face Judas, knowing this man is going to betray me and choose to love him. Could I do that? If I knew going into my marriage, this man is going to betray me, this man is going to cheat on me, he's going to break my heart, could I go through that? Could I give myself in full love to him? But Jesus did. He loved Judas, knowing that Judas is going to betray him. He poured out his heart. God wants us to live lives that are not self-protective. We're not concerned about, is this going to hurt? We're asking, is this going to glorify you, Lord? And as we make our goal holiness instead of happiness, he can give us contentment and a joy and a peace and a happiness that could have never happened to us if we had still been clinging to things, saying, Lord, I want to be happy. Don't take away this one thing that I really need. Otherwise, I'll surrender everything to you. No, God says, give it to me. Hand it over. That dream you have of getting married someday, you're saying, Lord, I'm surrendering everything, but would you please just give me this? He says, hand it to me. Come on. And we say, oh, but, but, hand it to me. It's not because he wants to take it away from you. It's because he wants to hand it back to you as a gift from him rather than something that you held on to. God wants us to respond to both suffering and blessing by being ripened for the kingdom of God. If you can respond to suffering well, You may not respond to blessing as well, and God may have to bring you back to suffering to help you to surrender instead of becoming comfort-driven because of your blessings. What does the Valley of Achor teach us? We're told in Hosea the Valley of Achor becomes a door of hope for us. How can the Valley of Trouble become a door of hope for you? I don't know what, what struggles you're going through in your Valley of Trouble. Maybe you're going through a divorce. It wasn't your fault. Someone else is hurting you. Maybe your children are rebelling. Maybe a friend is really hurting you. I don't know what you're going through, but Jesus does. And with my friend in her situation, I could tell her honestly, I don't see the future. But I know for sure that God is going to deliver you as you surrender it to him. He's going to turn this into something beautiful. I don't know what he'll do, but I know the process he will follow. He will follow this process of you surrendering and him transforming because that's the business that he's in. Redemption is a process of change, changing people into the image of God. And God uses any circumstance, any situation that you face as an instrument of changing you into his image as you surrender it to him. That's the God we serve. He takes an entire situation, the great controversy between Christ and Satan. Look at the things going on. Isn't this a horrible situation we're in? Look at the awful things that happen every day in our country, in our world. It's heartbreaking. 
And God knew it didn't have to happen. Back there with Adam and Eve in the garden, he said, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't sin. They did it anyway. And even trouble that is not God's will can be used to accomplish God's purpose. We see that revealed in the whole great controversy. Here God takes a situation where they went directly against his command. He says, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. They did it anyway. He said, all right, now, not just in spite of your sin, but actually because of your sin, the universe is going to understand my love in ways it never could have before. Because I'm going to come down and become flesh and hurt with you and suffer with you because pain is not God's enemy. Sin is. Jesus wasn't afraid to come down and suffer with us. He wanted to bring about his glory. He wanted to show to the universe his love. And even if not one of us had been willing to re-surrender our hearts to him, the universe out there would have understood better what kind of God ruled it. God is revealing that kind of love to every one of us. He's bringing us through trouble because trouble is what transforms as we surrender to him. Trouble is one of the best tools that God has to carve us into his image as it reveals to us the, the sinfulness of our hearts. And God has a chance to say, look at that. Do you see that part of you? That's something you didn't realize was there. But I want you to give it to me because then I can bring to you a deeper joy and a richer experience than you knew was possible. That's the kind of God we serve. That's the plan of redemption. Redemption takes any bad situation and turns it into something beautiful as we surrender it to God. The valley of trouble becomes a door of hope for us. For my friend, the reason why she called me was because she knew my story. She knew what I had been through, that I'd gone through a similar situation. And therefore, she had the courage to come and talk to me. You see, what was my valley of trouble was a very painful time for me. Why would God let something like this happen? What kind of God are you? I really had to wrestle. But now I look back and I say, Lord, I'm so grateful for what I went through. Without that, I wouldn't have become the deeper person that I needed to be. It wasn't God's will, but it's accomplished God's purpose. Going through pain makes us into who God wants us to be because it drives us to our knees. It drives us to cling to him. It forces us to decide, is he really a God I'm going to trust with all my life? when he doesn't look trustworthy. And when we choose to trust him anyway, he does something so beautiful. Here I stand now with a tool for ministry to so many people that I could never have understood if I hadn't been through something like this. I don't know what trouble you're going through, but I know that God is willing to use this that you go through as a tool to change you and then as a tool for you to minister to change others. Because that's the purpose of the gospel, for God to change people into his image. He changes us into his image first. And sometimes it seems like a terrible waste of time, the things that he puts us through. Why did he make Joseph go through all that time in Egypt when nothing made sense? For years, he's wrestling. Why, God? Why would you let all these things happen to me? I didn't do anything to deserve it. Why, why, why? But those years of going, why, 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 and saying, I trust you anyway, paid off because they turned Joseph into who he needed to be. They turned him into a man that was safe to be exalted to that position of honor without falling into pride. God knew Joseph needed that time of trouble. Sometimes it seems like such a waste. I can't see anything good you could bring out of this situation, God, but he always can. He always can because he's the God of redemption. That's what he does. 
when we go into that valley of trouble, willingly or unwillingly, whether it was our fault or someone else's fault, God wants to turn it into a door of hope. He wants to do that by helping us to go deeper, to examine our sinful attitudes, our sinful ways of relating to that suffering. and Say, Lord, have your own way. I'm not going to rebel and say, no, no, not me. This is so unfair. Don't let me go through that. He wants us to say, whatever you want, Lord, only help me to be surrendered. The valley of trouble that you face today may be something that is because of your sin, maybe because of someone else's sin. Maybe you're not in that valley right now. Maybe you're just saying, Lord, I pray that that doesn't happen to me someday. But whatever it is you're going through or you're going to go through in life, just know ahead of time, God is going to go through this valley with me. And that's what I told my friend. You know, God is going to go through this valley with you. Last week, I had the privilege of seeing her with a radiant smile on her face and her little girl in her arms. She said, I'm so grateful for what God has done. I just couldn't have imagined how wonderful his plan was. I wouldn't have wanted to go through that particular situation. I wouldn't have asked for it. But oh, I'm so glad that God brought me through that, that he he, give, he gave me this beautiful, wonderful gift that's better than I could have ever imagined. Not just because of sin, but actually through sin. God brings beautiful things. When we get to heaven, we're going to look back on what happened in this earth, and we're going to say, wow, God, your love is deeper and richer than anything I could have understood. And don't we see in the Bible revealed that there will be a song of Moses and the Lamb. There will be a song that others can't sing because they've never been through redemption, right? When I sing Redemption's story, they will fold their wings, for angels never felt the joy that our salvation brings. The door of trouble becomes the door of hope as we surrender it to God. And that's my prayer for every one of you. I don't know what you're going through, but God does. And he has a plan. He's going to do something so beautiful. You know, when I was in the dark time of my life, when I was facing continual panic attacks, anytime a guy walked behind me, I would freak out. I'd panic. I couldn't breathe. I was terrified. It seemed really dark to me. I didn't think that God could set me free. I had this tremendous rage. My grandfather stole something from me that now I'll never be able to get back. Now I can never get married because I can never have that kind of relationship with a man. But as I surrendered to God and said, I don't understand, I don't know how you could ever bring beauty out of these ashes, he said, wait and see what I can do. And now I can stand before you, a woman who's been married to the most wonderful man in the whole world, for me, for nine years. And those struggles that I faced back then have never affected our marriage. It's just so beautiful to see what God can do, how he sets us free. And I know that I'm a much deeper and richer Christian than I would have been. I doubt, actually, if I would have come to Christ, if I would have surrendered my life to him, if I hadn't been through that. Because it was only when I hit rock bottom, when I knew there was no way out but God, that I was willing to look up. I would have been too self-reliant otherwise. I can take care of myself, God. I don't actually need you. I'll call on you if I'm in a crisis. But I got it under control myself, actually. But when I faced those situations where I couldn't make it, 
where the only option was suicide. I thought, well, everybody says the whole God thing works. I'll try that first. And if it doesn't work, I can always kill myself later. I've never had to look back because it does work. Redemption does work. The gospel always works. And God's goal in your valley of trouble is to help you surrender more deeply. His purpose will be accomplished of changing you into his image as you surrender it to him. So don't worry about the future. Don't worry about what's going to happen. Just ask, Lord, is it all in your hands? Is there anything I'm holding back from you? Because I know if I'm not, you're going to pour that blessing out to me. Let's bow our heads for a moment of prayer. I want to give you a moment for silent prayer. If there's something that you need to hand over to the Lord, if there's some situation that's been breaking your heart or causing you confusion or pain, I want to give you a chance to talk with the Lord about it, and then I'm going to close with prayer. Father in heaven, we're so grateful that your word reveals the way that life truly is. That the greatest battle to be fought is the battle against self. And that the victory you give us is a victory over sin. We thank you for the promise that someday you'll wipe away all tears from our eyes. But Lord, now while we're in the valley of the shadow of death, now while we go through this valley of Achor, we just rejoice in your presence with us. Thank you, Lord, that we can trust you with whatever we face, knowing that you will never leave us, never forsake us, because you've promised, and we can hang our lives on your word. That's what we want to do today, Lord. As we face this week and as we face this year, we thank you for the blessings and the tools you've given us here at WYC, and we ask that you will continue doing that good work you've started in us, of transforming us into your image. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.